hands on deck, Miss Garvin made it because we're going to set sail. I don't like Damar Hamlin. I don't like his story. I'm glad he's healthy, but we need to move on. Oh my god, he was a player no one had ever heard of, and then he, like, got hurt. Players get hurt every week. Go home. Uh, players' hearts usually don't stop in the middle of the game. But. No, their brains stop five years after they get into the NFL. Nobody cares about that. Pirates we are born, pirates we still be. We live on our ship, out on the sea. We rain and plunder every warner gets in our way. That's what happens in an every pirate day. Buck Bros. Welcome back to the Buck Bro Podcast. And unfortunately, we're reaching out to you guys on a somber note. The Buccaneer season officially ends in the divisional round of the playoffs. Our loss against the Lions, 31-23, to ending our season. Buck Bro Ryan here, and let me welcome back my fellow Buck Bros, John, Zach, and Bryce. Guys, it's been a hell of a run. You can't say that this is not beyond our expectations or exceeding the expectations of the season, but still you would have liked us to come out and maybe get a win against the lions team. That seemed a little susceptible. So all in all a great season, but let's first look into the lions game 31 to 23. Give me your thoughts on, and, and let's start here with buck bro, John, give me your thoughts on the game. I thought we played hard. Uh, against a better opponent in an unfriendly atmosphere. I mean, it was obviously rocking in there for Detroit, and we did everything possible. I mean, you can lay certain things at the feet of Baker Mayfield throwing a bad pass out there at the end. Uh, you know, receivers had some tough drops. I I don't want to harp on that too much, considering how far we came, uh, what we overcame this season to be in that position. Um, obviously everybody can Monday morning quarterback, but I team stayed strong all the way to the end to force that, uh, final drive. And just because it didn't work out, um, the way we expected it. I, I loved every minute of that game. I loved being back in playoff football. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that game went well for us. You enjoyed every minute of that game. I could think of a few that I did not enjoy. What What do you think, Buck Brozak? That was your take on the game. Well, I I think it's a game. Honestly, I think the the scoreline kind of flatters us. I I think it was it was a one score game, but it to me it felt like we came out of the of the block just flat, and it just kind of felt like we were chasing the game the whole way. Um. I have some criticisms of the end of the game. Uh, I have some criticisms of Baker. You know, we said, like, live by Baker, die by Baker. I think this is a game where his mistakes, you throw two interceptions, lose by a touchdown. You know, to me, that's a it's not causation, but it's a pretty strong correlation of, like, not having scoring opportunities. They, they boomerang back the other way i i came away disappointed just because i thought we didn't look sharp um for a lot of that game and i i really can't get the taste out of my mouth of the end of the game and todd bowles not calling timeouts I mean, dan campbell said after that game that they let the clock management get away from them that's him admitting that 
this this was not like a gentleman's agreement, which is my initial thought was like, okay, well, they're kneeling with a lot of time left. Uh, so clearly they've, they've nodded from across the field at each other that it's over and we've waved the white flag for whatever reason. But I thought that was really egregious. That's the thing I'm left with. Like we can't, we had a scrappy game at the end. I mean, it, you know, kind of that Jameis era bucks, like we'll make a push at the end and get it close. But I'm really upset with Todd Bowles for, waving the white flag it's a playoff game i mean that's i don't care if there's fucking 10 seconds left two seconds i mean goddamn the shit happens i mean how many games have you seen end on the last play of the game force a play i i just i can't get over that so that's a bad taste in my mouth that's what i'm stuck with but i mean if i have to be like thirty thousand feet yeah it's a great season but i was really disappointed with how it came to an end no Buck Pro Bryce is dying to get in here to talk about time uh, balls yeah, and his decision making. I, I said that the moment he didn't take he didn't call timeout. I texted that to the group. I do not know why he's not calling the timeout. I think John said that it wasn't necessary. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's thirty seconds there's left in the game. And there's they just need it on third down. Take a timeout, force him to at least go for a field goal, you know. Now we find out that the Lions kicker, their Michael Bashy or whatever, uh, hasn't made a 40-yard field goal since 2022. So, like, he didn't even kick a field goal in all season from 40 yards out. And I think that would have been something like a 49-yard field goal. So, I mean, you kind of talked about a little bit, like, somewhat of a microcosm of part of the season with Todd Bowles kind of not always making the best game management decisions, and that just – Again, strikes its head again. I also didn't really like going for two after we scored. Um, when Mike Evans scored to bring it within a one-score game, I think you needed to kick an extra point there and then, you know, try to force it into overtime. But that's neither here nor there. We didn't we didn't make the plays that we needed to. That stat blows my mind. Like, <laughs> I get all for, like, you're an aggressive team, but – what kind of message are you sending to your kicker where you said, we're not going to use you from 40 yards at all this season, ever? <laughs> like, to be fair, he was the backup. So, like, he didn't play the whole season. But that was part of the reasoning behind, now that we're doing this two weeks after, um, them not go, or going for it on fourth down in the championship game uh, on those, you know, two controversial fourth down calls for them. But now we're here talking about the, the Bucks game against the Lions. And um, I'm kind of with John. I, I feel – I don't know if we were – yeah, I guess it kind of felt like we were chasing it a little bit. But I thought it was a hard-fought game for most of it, for three quarters. I mean, we were tied there with the Lions. Um, we couldn't sustain offensive pressure. We would gain some yards and first downs, but just couldn't quite get over, you know, there. Once we got over there, get in within scoring range consistently. Um, I thought the defense played well again for three quarters until the Lions really just kind of put us on, put it on us there in the fourth quarter. Um, couldn't stop the run, couldn't get off the down, or couldn't get off the field on third down either. Um, but all in all, uh, yeah, from th- you know, if we were again to say, did we expect to make the divisional round at the beginning of the season with Baker Mayfield and the team we had? Uh, hell no, I don't think anybody was expecting that. Maybe win the division and hope for the best. But, you know, we got, I think, a lot more than what we expected this season. Great season by the Bucs. Um, I know we're going to talk about what our hopes are for the offseason coming up. But uh, it was just a really joy. You know, this was another, you know, 
disappointing, but yet great season in the fact that we, again, get to enjoy playoff football here in Tampa when we weren't even in the playoffs for so long. Yeah, it was, I mean, I agree with, as usual, agree with all of your sentiments regarding the Lions game. I remember specifically saying that we were going to need to be able to take punches and to punch back. I'd like to think that we did that. I think that's where that feeling of, you know, you can be proud of the product on the field um, from the Buccaneers. They never shied away um, other than maybe Todd Bowles, but they kept coming after it and, and they put up, you know, a good game. There were a couple of mistakes. Yes. It wasn't perfect football. Um, and a lot of the young guys, like, I mean, what was the blocking scheme where Aiden Hutchinson comes off the line unblocked twice um, and sacks Baker, uh, you know, just some growing pains. It seemed like, you know, just kind of what we've known to expect from the Bucks team where not everything is in sync. Not everything is um, well laid out or well thought out. So like I guess I, I did love the Todd Bowles design blitz where he has Vita Vea go around the defensive end and shoot over uh, as a defensive I'm like, really? You're going to 350-pound lineman with a stunt that long? Uh, fortunately, the, yeah, it, it did get to golf, but that, that was funny to watch. I, I think maybe like chasing the game wasn't the most accurate way to describe it, but it's just the mistakes that were made. I mean, we made a lot more mistakes than they did. Obviously, like the interceptions, but like Jamel Dean not catching that pick is brutal. Missing a field goal is brutal. Two point conversion. I mean, you needed it, I guess, at the time. I mean, it was a, it was a situational call, but like the points left on the board, off the board, I should say, on the field, the field goal. I mean, they kick a field goal off the Jamel Dean dropped pick. That's six points. Two point conversions. Two points. I mean, so we had the looks, but we couldn't, we just didn't execute. I guess that's really what I meant by chasing it. It just felt like it was one forward, two back. Yeah. Well, especially early on, too. You know, you missed mm-hmm. that pick. Baker throws a pick off of a deflection from Evans. So it's kind of like, especially early on, I thought we kind of got our, our groove going a little bit as the game progressed. But especially early on, we came out a little flustered and just didn't make plays. Did, did y'all notice, like, Baker, pregame Baker for this game juxtaposed against pregame Baker in the, the wildcard round? Because wildcard Baker was coming out on smelling salts. I mean, he was coming out like 100 miles an hour, that tunnel. They showed him pregame. He was – he looked solace. He was I – I mean, I'm sure he would tell you he was focused. But to me, it looked like a completely different Baker. I, I was really worried when I saw that, that energy. It felt like he was – feeling the the building and it wasn't for him that I noticed that right out of the gate I was concerned because I just I want to see Baker you know putting a flag in the in the middle of the field like that's the Baker I want to see getting fired up one thing I'll say and this might be mildly off topic uh, and maybe getting ahead of ourselves um, maybe in the offseason we get someone who can match Baker's fire Someone else at a different skill position, maybe a wide receiver, a running back, someone who can also get him fired up, someone with a little bit of attitude so they can feed off of each other. Because right now, I don't know if there's another player on the team who gets that hyped at any point for any reason. Well, I would have thought it would be Devin White maybe a couple years ago, right? But that man is a shell of himself. 
Sure. Yeah. Antonio yeah, I mean, Brown. <laughs> I was just thinking of Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, he's out there uh, claiming Dan Campbell has CTE or <laughs> the something. The first coach was CTE. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I like that point, and, and maybe we can see that in, in our segment to come of our offseason hopes. Let's wrap up the Lions game. I've got a few numbers for you guys. Um, there might be a little theme to these, so you guys can can kind of figure out the theme. But the first number from the Lions divisional round game is three. Nice and easy. Three. Timeouts. Not timeouts. <laughs> Is that turnovers? Touchdowns by Baker Mayfield. Touchdowns by Baker Mayfield. Okay. Oh, there we go. Three touchdowns. Yes. So, pretty good in that department. However, our next number is two. Mm. Two interceptions? Two yeah, interceptions two by Baker. Not as good. Especially <laughs> the game ceiling interception. Not that good. Yeah, that one he just he could feel it like yeah, yeah that one he that head down, you know, yeah two interceptions not that good and they were the only turnovers of the game so lost the turnover battle as well. The last number is one. One playoff win. We did one have one game? playoff win. No, that's not the number I'm thinking of. One score game, uh, one timeout left. Uh... One timeout left. That's exactly right. Todd Bowles left <laughs> one timeout on the freaking board. You know, maybe he'll uh, com- um, petition the uh, game committee to allow timeout rollover uh, for the season <laughs> going forward. Hey, you're allowed to it's in at least contract. bring one timeout with you. Yeah. Paid I out time timeouts. Of, it has I'm, to be in a set of structure in his contract. Yeah, I mentioned to y'all earlier that even if we won – a playoff game or two, we should still fire Todd Bowles. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been discussion of, like, now that Canales is gone, um, do they just go ahead and try to find, like, you know, an offensive head coach, you know, to kind of revamp the entire offense. But don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I do think Todd Bowles deserves at least another year. Um, or he earned it this season. You know, these were you know, wanted an improvement, and you wanted to see some sustained success. Ah, sustained success in the playoffs. I, I would count this season as both. He he, he hit both marks. It's a strong. I season. would argue he he eroded a lot of his uh, goodwill with his decision. On the wrong timeout decision. Me, I don't bad. understand. It's like pretty bad. You own a football team, or you are a GM of a football team. You have one goal: it's to win fucking games. And this guy is quitting with time on the clock. I don't like the Lions coach, who we now know may have CTE per Antonio Brown. He's making bad decisions. He's giving you an out. He's saying here, take take some time. Maybe you could win this game. I don't know. I mean, if we had done something, we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Thanks, we'll Todd. Never know. You'd like to think he'd at least learn. Like I I agree. You felt good at the end of the season. Good enough to say, okay, Todd Bowles, come back. Especially when I think of all of the defensive capital we've spent in the draft recently. Like, our team is structured to use 
oddball system. That's just how we've drafted. So I, I could see him getting one more, but I'd like for him to learn, just like be a little bit more aggressive. Be, and that's why I didn't have a problem for him going for two. I was like, you know what? If the analytics say it, go for it. You know, um, don't be as old school. But I, I just like oh, man, to I, see his timeout management go better. I, I I quote myself on this one. I said it at the time. Accepting defeat is a fucking issue. You know, that was my yes. point too. Was like, yes. I yeah. thought it was just okay. Well, whatever. Game's over. Like no, like anything can happen. We've seen anything crazy happen before. You know, it's not that crazy that he would miss a field goal. You know, and then you've got some time left to at least, you know, try a hail mary or two. I don't think they're but... kicking the field goal. I think they're punting, because if they miss that, we get the ball at midfield. I think they would punt that ball. I don't think we have to worry about them scoring at all. I think it would be on us to make some, you know, miracles happen. But I think we would have a lot of that time left. They'd probably pooch punt it or something. I don't know. But I doubt they'd kick a field goal because the risk is just not there. You're up eight, not a lot of time left. Well, and you could miss it or get it blocked. God forbid. I mean, if he, if it's an, if it's a difficult task for him to kick it that far and he's having to like drill it, we could block that kick. We'll never know because you'll Todd was ready to go to Cancun. <laughs> you can block a punt too. You know, it's, well, yeah, all of this. I mean, all like of it. Massive, yeah, all of this could happen. And then the thing that drives me crazy is when they asked him about it, and then he's like, "Oh, there were only twelve seconds left on the clock." It didn't make any sense. Like, no, dude, no, there wasn't. There, there was thirty-four seconds on the clock. There, there's that, twelve seconds the when they like, took not, the kneel. How do you not know that? Like, yeah. you should be trying. Yeah, that that should always be you know on your mind he's, is you he's know, time not, management. He's not smart. He's not a smart man. He's not smart. <laughs> no, I have not but, smart. I don't I even think, think it's that. I think it's just like like Bryce said, he just accepts defeat yeah. way too early. Like way too early. You have to the thing about this game is possibilities can happen and do happen. You you're not allowing for possibilities to happen. The the reason why he needs to go, in my mind, is because when that's happening and we're not calling that timeout, no one on the sideline, no player, no coach is coming over and saying, call the fucking timeout. Yeah. The culture of the team has been infected by him that they're yeah, willing was, to say it's over. How is Baker not fucking that, going like that? Yeah, How is no one doing the same thing? Like, could anybody on the defense just call timeout right there? Like anybody, right? Like anybody on the field could go yes. timeout, right? Yeah. Like, how is not one? That's a good point. Like, how is not one player like, oh shit, we have timeout? Because that's you their know. leader. The leader of our yeah. men quits. Sorry, I just, I really. You changed my, you changed my mind. Yeah, no, yeah, you changed my mind. You swayed me too. <laughs> just He's got to go. Gave He's got to go. Speech that I should have given. You did a great job. He's got to go. I just like fifty-three men on that roster, and not one of them raised their fucking hand. What does that tell you about the guy who's leading the yeah. ship? Yeah. I think I would have lost my mind if I were on that sideline, honestly. Yeah, I don't know how they're... I mean, no wonder Dave Canales fucking left. Get me out of here. Sorry. He didn't give me a chance, yeah. <laughs> Could have done something. I'm in passion now. I keep talking about Todd Bowles. All right. Well, that was by the numbers. Todd Bowles did keep his one time out. Reached that incentive. Thank you for playing. That's going to wrap up our review of the Lions game. 
Now, before we get into offseason hopes, we have talked about how great of a season we have. So I'm just going to give you guys the floor. If there's anything you'd like to say, look back on fond memories of the season. I think John can just go, I told you guys, <laughs> for this season. <laughs> I mean, you, you you said it at the beginning, John. Uh, Baker was, you know, going to ball out. and I mean, he did. You know, there's really no way around that. He had a great season. And I think that my major takeaway is, uh, as we kind of explained, I think we, we do need a change at the, at the head coaching position. But I think what we did see is that we've got some really promising players on this roster. Um, some vets that can still play and ball out. And so I hope we can retain as much talent as we possibly can, gain some more talent going into the offseason and, you know, continue to, you know, win the division and make playoff runs and hopefully get back to the Super Bowl within, you know, the next three to five seasons. I, I mean, that a good takeaway is Baker stole $4 million in incentives from us by playing so well. Uh, he had a hell of a season. Uh, yeah, I mean, to look back is like there are corners, like cornerstones of this team that I think were identified and really like played well. I think AWJ really has like ascended to like, this is a guy, you, this is a cornerstone, you lock this down. And I think there's been other guys who've shown us that they're not the guys and we need to move on. Like, I think it was an enlightening season and we got to win a lot of games. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely a successful season. They, I mean, they won the division for the third time in a row. They won a playoff game despite their head coach. Uh, I've got nothing but good words overall to say uh, for like the narrative of the 2023 season. It's a fortunate it ended how it did, but and Baker is clearly like the jewel of the 23, you know, you know, free agency hires. I mean, certainly financially. I mean, most that, improved player. Well, he. He can't win that because he didn't die. Now he won most improved player. Oh, the comeback player of the year was Demar Hamlin. Okay, the most you. improved player. Of the year. Literally the comeback player. Yes. <laughs> what is the difference between most life. improved and comeback? Semantics. Semantics, really? Yeah. Okay. Did they what? invent that category? Well, that, just... But I mean, like most improved could be you weren't injured or nothing happened, and then you just became way better this season versus a comeback. In my opinion, is like you were injured all season last year or out of league or some shit like that, and then you had this hell of a season. So, or I guess in this case, come back to life. Who won it last year? Did Gino win it last year? Uh, Gino did, I think. Mm. Similar situation as Baker. Same offense. I, I, I don't make the, the awards. So that's why <laughs> I'm just I'm saying like... Baker was the comeback player of the year. He was not the most improved player. He's the comeback player of the year. I really enjoyed this season because like most of you and like everyone at home and everyone who listens to the national news media, I thought this was going to be another tough one. I thought we were rolling backwards. I thought it was going to be, haha, we told you so. You had Brady and that was the only reason you were good. And Everyone was wrong. We had a terrific season and we went deep into the playoffs. I mean, we went to the divisional round. I, I enjoyed every minute of that. I, like any other football fan, I found plenty to take away that I didn't like and, and tons that I did like. And that's really all, all you can ask for. Um, that shitty stretch we had uh, there in the middle of the season. Now you look back at it and realize, you know, we lost to the Lions they were in the NFC Championship. We lost the divisional game to the Falcons. Then we lost to the Bills, who were in the divisional round. We lost to the Texans, who were in the divisional round. And we lost to the 49ers, 
who are going to the Super Bowl. So it's not like that was an easy stretch for us while we were just figuring our shit out. That was a tough stretch. And so I I think we learned a ton this season. Uh, Like, you know, Zach said, I think we learned what players don't need to be here anymore. And hopefully they won't be. And what guys continue to perform well. And I have high hopes for this team going forward. We got out from under a just mountain of dead cap this year that we can put forward to other things next year, like re-signing Anton Winfield Jr., re-signing Baker, re-signing Mike, you know, bringing these guys back. The future is bright in Tampa Bay because this season was successful. Had this season been a down season, I think we go into rebuild mode. This puts us on a different footing going forward. Yeah, you said it. It's kind of changed. And I, when I think about the season, you know, I'm thinking about the beginning. In the beginning, the narrative was all, how do the Bucks fare after Tom Brady? Nobody gave us much of a chance. And so here we sit at the end of the season, and I'm telling myself, you know, this is kind of a nice little validation just for all of the Bucks who have been here for so long and, you know, went through Brady and now are coming out of Brady to like get that validation of, yeah, you won the division again. Yeah. You won another playoff game. You know, when you look at the statistics, Mike is having a day against the Detroit lions in the divisional round. Levante David comes out with 13 tackles on that day. So he's long time bucks and, and kind of the bucks organization as a whole, I feel excited for, like you said, and it's a different trajectory. Now we're not rebuilding and it's now, you know, not swan songs. It's, okay, what can we do to kind of get back there and and maybe give ourselves a couple more shots at this? Um, But I thought it was a nice piece of validation for the team that says, yeah, you can do this without Tom Brady too. You guys know what it takes and you guys can, uh, can still hang with the big boys and come playoff time. So just a great season overall. Um, I liked all the sentiments, but now that season's over, the off season comes with it. And there are a lot of things that the Bucks got to do to get to that promised land again in 2024. So a lot of things we need to get in, in terms of re-signing players, in terms of coaching positions, and even in terms of the draft. So I want to get your guys's, you know, just one, your biggest thing if for the offseason. What's your one hope? So let me get your one hope for this season, Buck Brozak. You may regret picking me. <laughs> No, I'm I'm just I'm pivoting. I know I'd said prior that it was gonna be cutting Devin White. Just make sure you don't sign him. But uh I think it's related to that, <clears throat> we were really like hamstrung by cap situation going into this year, right? It's a lot of dead cap money. And we'll have some cap space, but I would like the thing that we come out of the offseason with is making sure that we're not uh mismanaging those funds and putting us in a position where we're strapped for cash again really soon, I guess. I would say, like, Jason Light, just get back on your horse and make sure guys get re-signed, that's get re-signed. I don't want to name specific players in case some people want to name specific players. But I just want to see him get in there and kind of work some magic with the numbers because that's this season was really great, and part of the reason why it was surprising is because we did it on a shoestring budget, because we had a lot of money tied up that wasn't on the field. And so I just like to see us invest wisely in the guys on the roster and make sage decisions with free agency. 
there's a lot of big names we have to shore in, you know shore up but that'd be my thing is let's not get into cap hill uh, and i i imagine i'm not an expert but i imagine you get into cap hell through mismanagement in the years before you're in cap hell and so i'd, I'd like to think that'd be a good uh, good thing to want in the off season that would be great please manage us efficiently uh jason light there you go and well fire todd bowls but i think that obviously is, goes without saying and that's it's... there don't have to say it elephant in the room yeah it's not a fat joke about todd bowls i'm just saying he needs to get out of here exactly exactly all right buck bro john what is your one hope for this off season two words man Baker Mayfield. I I really think that he brings a lot to the table for relatively cheap. Um, I don't think that there's a free agent quarterback out there right now that that can produce the way he's producing uh, for the amount of money that they're going to demand. And I don't foresee a situation where there is a quarterback in the draft that's going to fall to us that's going to be able to play on day one uh, quite the way he has. And I think he earned it this season, uh, taking as, as far as he did. And I think it's time for the man to get some consistency. Obviously, he's going to have a new offensive coordinator again, but put him in front of the same team again. Give him the same coach again. Let's see what happens. Uh, He obviously can play, and I'd like to see it. And maybe it can help put to rest that talk that we were only good because we had Tom Brady. I know we went a long way to do it this season, but if we can run it back again, uh, I feel good about it. I still think... Baker is the best quarterback in the NFC South. And so that makes us one of the best teams in the NFC South, if not the best team. So let's stay on top. However it works, let's re-sign Baker. Does Baker need Mike Evans? Would that be number two? I I would say yes. There, there are a whole host of reasons that Mike Evans should be back. And I've been hard on him. And I think rightfully so because he's had one of his poorest performances as far as drops are concerned. He had a great season, but he had big drops in big moments, and no one can say he didn't. And that's that's something that's unusual for Mike Evans, who's normally got silky soft, sure hands. And I'd just like to see him figure that out. But when you're a guy like Baker Mayfield and you sling the ball and you throw it up, there are very few players in the history of the NFL who you'd want to have that ball coming down to more than Mike Evans. And that's, that's a short thing. You bring Mike Evans back for all that he's brought to this franchise. But I believe Baker Mayfield. Yes, he does need Mike Evans. John, can I ask you for your B selection of Mike Evans? I'm going to name three bucks. I think we have to resign this season. Can you give me a quick tier ranking? Mike Evans, AWJ, Tristan Wirfs. I, I, that's that's tough. I, I think A tier resign is Tristan Worse because offensive line is so much harder to come by. I think you 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 take Tristan Worse first. Um, Worse isn't a free agent though. Yeah, he, but he's, he's going to be on his fifth. I get it. We got yeah. We signed him before. Him up, I mean, yeah. There are three bigger unrestricted free agents that we got to also make sure they come back in the fold. Yeah, but if you don't. You re-sign Worfson out because you have to pay him $18 million next year. It's his biggest year. It, the fifth year of the 
top whatever rookie is like the pain year. It's the right. Jameis pain year. I think, in, in my opinion, I would say I think Mike should be one. Uh, retaining Mike should be the most important. Ahead of AWJ. AWJ two, Baker three. Worf's four? All right. Yeah. This is priority. Okay. I'm going to say something, and it's going to be incredibly controversial. I think Anton Winfield Jr. was the best player on the field for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. That's not the most controversial part. I think that's just an out-and-out fact. And I think he is the least necessary of the re-signs. I think Anton Winfield Jr. would be at the bottom of any list of the major reasons. Obviously, we're not going to keep a guy like Devin White. We're gonna we're gonna move on. Is, from it, that is it simply because he plays safety? No, it's because he's a star, right? He's an out and out star. He's just too much of a superstar that he's going to demand so much that I think he will take away from where other money is needed. I, I don't think when you have a team that is competitive and making deep runs you have one guy who you're absolutely overpaying and he deserves every dollar of it so i think he should go out and get that money from someone else because it may take he's earned it but it may take away from what we're trying to do and gibbs put him on skates on that one touchdown that was hard to watch i felt so bad i mean he was on an island like by himself it's like that's not you're not supposed to be in that position but he got burnt he had a, I didn't hear much of him in the Detroit game. I don't think he had the best game, which is unfortunate. He had a very good season. Great he season. Is. Not a pro bowler. I could honestly get behind that safety is the least important position out of the four we're talking about. Like right tackle or left tackle, excuse me now, is definitely like number one or number two outside of quarterback, right? Number one. And then, you know, a wide receiver in this day and age, you got to have an elite one. Uh, if you want to go anywhere, so I, I I could understand that from his from that standpoint, he is probably the least priority. But to me, he's now your leader of the defense, especially if Levante decides to retire or go somewhere else as well. Um, he's also an unrestricted free agent. So the, I mean, there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made at one buck place going into this offseason. The last thing I'll say is that if we intend to re-sign these individuals, with the exception of Tristan Wurst, because he's obviously going to get action every down, I would like to see them be utilized. So we re-signed Chris Godwin. He went out there, we gave him the money, we put him on a contract, and then he was a ghost the majority of this season. So if we're going to re-sign these guys and we're going to pay him, we need to fold them into the offense, and they need to be an active part of it. Yeah, you can say that about the cornerbacks, right? Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis got paid. They haven't been playing up to contract standards. Uh, Shaq Barrett seems like a shell of himself. You know, obviously coming back from injury and a very tough offseason for him. Will he be part of the team? I don't think I don't think Jamel Dean had a particularly tough season. Jamel Dean? I don't think he played up to getting paid, what is he getting paid, 18, 20 million? Like I, I a year? I don't think he played up to that. Carlton Davis most certainly didn't. Carlton like, Davis, uh, I don't. He, I, I think he needs a wider visor on his helmet because I think it rest- his vision is so wide because he's got them big grasshopper eyes, right? And I think he just sees a lot of the side of his helmet and it restricts his vision. 
Because he's not a predator. You can tell Carlton It must be Davis. the same way for Jamel Dean because if I'm paying $18 million to a cornerback year, he better catch a freaking interception that's right in his hands, uh, especially in the divisional round of a playoff. Carlton that's Davis so- is is, uh, is prey, right? Because prey animals have eyes on the side <laughs> of their head. Carlton Davis is prey out there in the secondary. They're preying on him, um, and his eyes are, are proof positive. I would say he needs um, – they both need better hands. They We have to have the worst cornerbacks at catching balls. I have no idea why. But um, let's move on here for our next off-season topic. Bryce, are you ready with the name of the individual? I do. I have two names about. for you, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah, a little more research. Yeah, so um, obviously we've got some player personnel decisions to make this offseason, but the biggest need, in my opinion, currently is hiring another offensive coordinator. So I think we'd all agree that Todd Bowles nailed pretty much his last hire and Dave Canales. Um, I won't say he, he lit it up, but he definitely improved the offense versus what By- Byron Leftwich did last season. Um, he's very young, sharp and saw a lot of potential in him. And obviously the Carolina Panthers would agree with me because they hired him as head coach and he's taking half the offensive coordinator or the offensive staff with him. Uh, so wish him best of luck. Uh, but the two names that I think would be good fits for the open offensive coordinator position would be one, Alex Van Pelt, who was the Browns offensive coordinator the last four years. Um, he did work with Baker in, in um, Cleveland, obviously. And outside of this season, Baker's best other season was in 2020. Who was his offensive coordinator? That would be Alex Van Pelt. Um, And he's got a lot of experience in the league. Um, Was with Buffalo, Houston for a while as well. So he would be a good experience hire. But one that kind of excites me a little bit and is kind of in a Dave Canales mold, you know, young kind of unproven play caller, uh, is the Rams passing coordinator, um, Jake Dietz. Um, so the QB coach was hired by the Atlanta Falcons, right? So you're right. The uh, QB coach is going to Atlanta, but the passing game coordinator, you know, he's been studying under McVay for a while. He's young. He's only 39. Um, but he, you know, he spent parts of seasons with Washington and Cincinnati as well. He's worked under Nick Saban. He's a really young and upcoming kind of star in the game. I think he'd be a good kind of, like I said, that unproven but sharp, young-minded coordinator, kind of give him a chance to work with Baker, open up the passing game a little bit more for him as well. I'd be excited with that hire. Obviously, right, it's his kind of proven guy, proven commodity versus unproven, but has a lot of potential. Either of those hires to me I think would be good. Uh, But it's important that Todd Bowles gets that decision right again because without a good offense, um, we've kind of seen this defense regress a little bit year after year with Todd. I think, you know, if he can get himself a couple players uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, we can see an improvement there. But it, it's imperative he gets this right because we need to continue developing Baker, making sure his confidence level is high, um, want to have an exciting offense to keep some of those free agents and maybe entice a couple more free agents to come along now that we've got a little bit more cap space. Um, yeah, we just uh, – I hope we get this higher right. I got the, a name for you. For the, who you oh, got? Give it to me. Who you got? 
Antoine Randall L. Oh, God, no, take it out. I knew you were going to no. say that. Yeah. I knew that one was coming. Nah, dog, I don't want any of that No, thanks. Whatsoever. Yeah. Poor, I, I was going to say poor Baker for a new offensive coordinator, but as you said, Axe Van Pelt, not a new offensive coordinator for Baker. Yeah, I'm like, what would it be his ninth or tenth if we hired yeah. somebody else, right? Yeah. In what seven seasons? That's just crazy. But uh, yeah, so if Alex Van Pelt does get hired, at least he'll have some continuity, a level of consistent, or I guess not yeah, consistent, he but won't be yeah. unfamiliar, right? Like you would be familiar with yes. his concepts. Yeah. And it's also funny you mentioned because you led perfectly into my offseason hope. You said that Todd Bulls, hopefully, with the re- um, get some defensive players. That is my offseason hope. I want, hopefully, we can target an edge rusher in the draft um, and maybe a cornerback too because Zion McCollum isn't it. Get him off the team. Um, but as you said, Shaq Barrett kind of seemed like a shell of himself. Uh, this season and he even stated it might be one his last game as a buccaneer um the bucks likely aren't going to pick up tryon shoenka's fifth year option as well so a little depleted there on the edge uh in terms of depth so a good spend in capital for an edge rusher would be great to kind of shore up that line and kind of see that pressure we got when we were winning super bowls you know with jpp and Barrett at his best form. So I think that's kind of what we need, um, kind of shore up some of that depth on defensive line. And then in the secondary, especially at cornerback, um, just give pieces for Todd Bowles to work with. And hopefully if we hire the right offensive coordinator, the offense can handle itself with the pieces that we hopefully resign as well. So just a lot to do this off season. Well, Buck Bros. I want to thank you all for listening every week, joining us on our trivia, joining us on our Instagram. We got a whole host of followers. Um, thanks to you guys' participation. We love that you guys are listening in. We love that you guys love books football as much as we do. So I'll give the floor to my fellow Buck Bros, but I'll start us off by saying just thank you for joining us this season. Yeah, broadcasters can't thank you guys enough for tuning in all season and following along with all the fun that we have here at the Buck Bros Podcast. Um, following us on Instagram, thank you for participating in our trivia contest. We had a lot of fun doing that. I'm uh, going to continue doing that going forward. This is just a lot of fun for us. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for six seasons now. Looking forward to our seven coming up. Yeah, but we couldn't do this without, you know, all the subscribers and people who, you know, support us and are there to listen to our podcast and, you know, give us some feedback. We love it. We appreciate it. Uh, we can't wait to do this again next season. Um, as always, go Bucks. Love you guys. Can't wait. Thank you all very much. Uh, absolutely wonderful season. Enjoy doing all these episodes with you guys. Uh, one of the funnest parts of my week. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to next season. Hopefully we we get started with the uh, – draft preview and review and we'll see y'all here in a couple of months yeah i echo that sentiment everybody's sharing uh it's been a really interesting season uh to get to talk about week in and week out i think uh it, it's not how it was forecasted and so i felt 
I feel honored to have been a part of uh, this show and get to share that experience with everybody who's listening in. So thanks, everyone. Thank you guys go again. Sorry, go Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's all get in here. Thank you guys again so much. As we like to sign off and for the sign off of the season, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Uh, Niners minus two. <laughs> Boom. Oh, so in yeah, I hope the 49ers win because I don't fucking like the Chiefs. So that it's so like simple to me. Uh anyone but the Chiefs. Hmm. And, I just anyone. don't know if I can take a whole year of I know, I know. John Herco. Well, I'll uh, see I'll see him maybe at a Sangria challenge, so it's not like a big loss for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I will say is that I am uh and you don't have to record this, but I am happy that Herco gets something nice in his life.